Hello and welcome to another episode of Casting Views, the podcast that takes a subject each week and as the name suggests, Cast Views. This week I'm excited because it's another instalment of my Who's Coming to Dinner episode, but even more so to add to the excitement is because my guest this week is all the way over from the Jojatorium himself. I've got Adam from Decaying with the Boys. Hi Adam. Hey, how's it going? I'm glad to be here. I'm glad to have you back on. So got you on, what was it, Halloween, I think? Right around there for our uh, uh, sports moments that live rent-free in our heads. It was a fun episode. That's so deceased for getting you on for a solo appearance. Which which I'm happy about, especially a uh, Who's Coming to Dinner episode, because I just want to do better than my podcast partner, Matt, who is, I believe, your <laughs> first guest in this uh, series, right? I did one with Antonio right the way back almost a year ago now and that was just because it was um it was an off-the-cuff episode but yeah with Matt it was the first of when I decided to make it a repeating series and yeah I, I was going to ask whether you wanted to mention you've got real you've got real desire haven't you you've got a real, real fire I, to beat Matt I'm very competitive when it comes between me and Matt I I like to be I like to best him as much as I can well, I'm not going to pick favorites here at the moment, but yeah, it's always whoever's on the show at the time. So yeah, it's you, Adam. <laughs> so yeah, so tell you what, do you want to talk about your your pod? So I know, um, obviously, Decaying with the Boys is has been well heard on on my show before, sort of through Matt and and, and your trailers. But yeah, do you just want to give a little background on on your yeah, podcast? Sure. It, uh, we started it during the uh, 2025, uh, 2020 pandemic, and started it just as two friends talking shop like you would at a bar and uh, we cover everything from horror movies to beer to combat sports and kind of pick apart pop culture a little bit here and there and we're decaying with the boys and you can find us at decaying wtb on instagram and all your other socials there's a lot of mixtures in podcasts out there it is of quite an odd mix isn't it so the beer the horror the, the combat sports was that a definitive choice no it i i think it's something we kind of involve evolved into um I remember even you can still catch our first uh, couple episodes kind of had like a true crime thing going on as well. Um, but it, it, it evolved over time. Combat sports were kind of always in the mix of it. The horror element got in more and more and uh, the beer got into it just because that's what I do as my hobby. I, I would say that Matt's hobby and passion is the podcasting. He And he pulled me in with him. Uh, so now it's my hobby too but i've i've been a, a homebrewer here in pennsylvania for about 10 years now so a little over 10 years so that's been my thing and he was it all started he would come over and help me once a week brew a beer and one week we were just like we should record these conversations we're cracking each other up yeah let's see what we can do and he wanted to do it and he he got all the equipment and and pushed us towards doing the podcast, and we set it down for a little bit there last year. He just had to step away and take care of some things, but uh, happy enough, he took care of those, and, and we're back. And you two, I mean, I don't want to talk about Matt too lot, too much because <laughs> this isn't his spotlight, but you two are excellent together. So how long have you known each other? Yeah, we met, um, I believe it was our second semester freshman year of college, and that was back in uh, right at the beginning of 2005 uh, so we've known each other since then and have uh, been pretty inseparable I, I did move away for uh, quite a few years I lived about four hours away from him for a bit uh, but then moved back 
probably about six years ago now. And I mean, we're just best friends. And even even time apart, when we get together, it's just like we haven't skipped a beat. We just pick up the conversation as normal and it uh, takes off from there. Excellent. Now, I'm quite curious to ask you, so you mentioned it briefly about the home brewing. So how did you get into that? What was your route into that? Yeah, so I think it was um, Christmas 2012. Uh, my dad bought me just like a little starter kit, like to make five gallons mm-hmm. of beer on your kitchen stove at home. Uh, and he's like, he got me that and he got my brother a winemaking kit because we were just kind of into those industries as fans at the time. Uh, and I made my first batch, uh, immediately bought better equipment and made a second batch. Uh, made and then my third one was terrible. I had to dump it out, but I didn't quit. I just kept going. Uh, so it really was a Christmas gift from my dad that he thought I would use once and see how it turned out, but it just kept going. And now it's expanded into my whole basement here at my house. And we do multiple festivals a year, uh, and, and multiple competitions every year. So it, it's, it's gotten serious to the point where I've thought in the past about going pro and opening a business, opening a brewery, but uh, just not in the cards quite yet. That's quite incredible, actually, that it was just an off-the-cuff present from your dad. So what was it about the brewery, though, that hooked you? What made you carry on? Yeah, that's a great question. Uh, honestly, it was uh, it just it hit that creative niche for me that I needed at the time. Uh, I'm a, an accountant. I'm in the finance sector by day as my real job, which doesn't it's very regulated. Like there's not a lot of creativity in that, in that space. But uh, as a kid from middle school on, I was really into music and art and, and creating and really got into music before I moved away from Pennsylvania for a little bit and had a band and uh, really enjoyed that. Um, But when I moved to Washington DC here in the States, I was kind of by myself and the friends I made at work weren't quite into music either. So I had to find something creative to do by myself and it was uh, up until getting that beer kit it was cooking i loved to cook especially soups and and stews and chilies which are very it's very close to brewing it's like you put the ingredients together you let them simmer you let them sit for a while and and see what you get and i think it just it just itched that creative bug i needed and i just loved i already liked craft beer a lot at that time so it was easy to get into beer for me well, I was going to ask, you know, about it sounding like a silly question, but have you always then like like your ales and lagers? Well, I mean, legal drinking age here in the States is 21, and I actually did not drink until I was 21. But, and even then, it was like, you're uh, over here, it's like Miller Lite and Budweiser, the big American beers. Yeah. So it was that through college when me and Matt first met. Um, it was actually, it took me moving away to find like these smaller craft beer styles. Uh, but as soon as I had my first one, I was, I wanted to know everything about the industry. It, it really just like lit a spark and off I went. Is it quite a big thing over there then in terms of the, the craft and, and the home brewing? Is it something that's always been big or is it still fairly new and finding its feet? I would say like craft breweries are huge in, the, in most of the states here, Pennsylvania, especially uh, Colorado. What the, it all started I mean, people will say it started in different places, but for me, like the boom that we're having right now started on the West Coast in California uh, and then made its way east. But I think it's really huge. I think homebrewing had a boom a few years. Like when I got in, I think it was doing really well. 
we're having a little bit of a dip, a little bit of a lull in the last mm-hmm. couple years, but it's still pretty popular. Like uh, Pittsburgh itself, which isn't a giant city uh, here in the U.S., has four different homebrew clubs that surround it, and each homebrew club has. I know the I'm the vice president of Trash, which is a homebrew club here in Pittsburgh, and we have over a hundred dues paying homebrewers that are involved with the club. For the meetings, we usually only get between twenty and forty people, but still, that's it's still a lot. Because over here, if you if you go to, you can get the stores that do a lot of the independent ales and beers, but they are often. Well, quite a bit more expensive than, like you said, I know your mainstream beers. So is it is it a similar thing over over there? Is there a big price differential? Yeah, for sure. Uh, like our big commercial beers, you can get a case of 30 12-ounce cans. So your normal can of beer, you can get 30 of those in your big commercial packs for like $20 American, uh, between $20 and $30 American. Yeah. Now, if you were going to do that with our craft beer, it would be over $100 easy. So like a four a four pack of like sixteen ounce uh, cans here in America of like your good craft brew is probably about twenty dollars eighteen to twenty so it is a little more pricey but you're I mean you're paying for product yeah there's there's an effort and passion that goes into it right so on that so did you say at the moment is it still uh, I don't want to use the word hobby in a demeaning way but is it still do you say you've thought about going into setting up a brewery. So is it just for yourself and friends and family that you brew for? Uh, yeah. Well, and we do, uh, so this year, I think we did 10 different brewing festivals, which homebrew is big enough here in Pittsburgh where there are a couple festivals a month, especially through the warmer months, um, where it's just homebrewers come out and you can serve to the public. Usually whoever's running it charges a ticket price to the customer. Uh, and then that, th- those proceeds usually go towards a charity and we just give our beer away for free because it's illegal to sell homebrew without, you know, having a professional license and everything here, uh, in the States. So, so a lot of it goes to festivals. Um, other than that, yeah, I kind of right around the same time me and Matt started decaying with the boys, not to bring that guy up again, we converted my basement into a little pub. So, uh, the Jojatorium, as we call it, is kind of a, a pub. I'm I'm sitting at the bar right now uh, where I would to serve anybody that was here. Uh, but yeah, we have friends over every weekend and and have the sporting events here uh, down in the down in the Jojatorium and just drink some beers. Because the important thing for me, I make 10 gallons at a time. So I make like 20 gallons of beer a month on average. Um, and I want to keep that brew schedule up. So somebody has to consume it. So the more friends and family that come over, the better. I'd love to come over for a beer with you and Matt. I really would. I do, I do know ways of shipping it legally within the States. I have to figure out how to get it across the ocean. Too. <laughs> so what is the, is the kind of like the percentage of alcohol in the beers that you brew? I, I do a wide, uh, a wide array, to be honest. I do everything from uh, like a three and a half percent English dark mild. Uh, all the way up to my highest I've ever done was a 14% barley wine. So almost like a wine alcohol uh, by volume yeah, on that yeah. one. But yeah, I do everything. As I've gotten older, um, my tastes have changed on what I buy and what I brew towards the lower end of that. But in these colder winter months here in the U.S., I, I tend to get a couple, a couple up into the double digits, like a 10 or 11% stout or something. But most of them are in the four or five percent range. 
and I think you just said it a couple of minutes ago. So I was going to ask, is there a way, could you sell through, a, if a business wanted your, like something that you were making, so do you have to have a license, did you say, for that? Yeah. Or if you were approached? So the the loophole, I guess it's not even a loophole. The way we, ha we have done it is my home brewery in the past, our, the brewery's Bash Brew, which is Bash underscore brew on Instagram for, for any of your listeners that want to check it out. But we have uh, joined up with pro professional craft breweries here in Pittsburgh and collabed on a beer. And then their brewery, and we brewed on their their equipment, and then their brewery can sell the beer under their license. So it's basically they're taking my recipe and some of my techniques, mixing it with their techniques, and, and we're coming up with a beer and, and selling it that way. But that that's really all I can do right now. The, uh, the only other way around it would be for me to work at a brewery or for me to open a brewery and, and do it. Um, but the, the opening of a brewery is very uh, cost and time intensive. So that's why I'm not imagine. Yeah. And if there's somebody out there listening to this who have never done it before, I mean, I guess you're the example of it, right? And and brilliant example of it. But is it something that you can get into from scratch now? Is, is there's no barriers or it's, is it something that's still easy to do? Yeah. If, if you want to homebrew out of your kitchen, uh, it's very easy to like start doing a five gallon batches uh, or smaller. If you just wanted like a gap, like, so five gallons of beer gets you about uh, 48 to 50 of your standard size beer bottles just for size purposes so but you can get into it it's actually very easy now back when i got into it you had to buy a book and kind of read a recipe book and read how to brew now with youtube and all all of the social media you can watch a couple YouTube yeah. videos and hit the ground running i've i've had um friends that have gotten into it and their first two batches of beer are incredible it took me three years to get that good at it and and they they did it. There is a there is an invest an investment up front. A couple hundred bucks will get you into it, but that's it. And then ingredients and and you're and you're good to go. Excellent. And I do love listening to the show in terms of how you two describe the beers. I mean, there's something delicious about how you you kind of explain the flavors and the aromas of the beers. Most people see a beer on a shelf and say, oh, beer and just look at the percentage. But yeah, the love and, and kind of the way you, you both describe those beers, it, it kind of, yeah, you just want to grab one there and there. In all honesty, to be humble about it, I'm terrible at doing that uh, compared to some of my colleagues in homebrewing that are just incredible at describing the aroma coming off of it and the flavors they're getting and, and, and how to describe a beer. And a lot of that's just rubbed off on me over the years. So I've, I've gotten better. I'm still not great at it. Um, but again, better than Matt at it. So that worked. <laughs> Did you hear that, Matt? <laughs> and I guess, um, uh, sorry, well, so what is your type of, your favorite type of, of ale then or, or beer? It's, I'm, I've been all over the place uh, during my stint as a beer lover. Uh, currently, though, it's a lot of European lagers, to be honest. Some English ales and European lagers. I just like the lower ABV beer styles. And as a home brewer, I've learned how much more not more challenging, but it's a different challenge to brew something so clean uh, without any off flavors. Mm. And I just really love that challenge, and I love to see how other people uh, achieve it. Uh, so, yeah, I, I mean, a lot of lagers, and lagers have gotten uh, very popular, especially like the German uh, and Czech styles have gotten very popular here on the East Coast of the U.S. in the last two years. 
have you been over to Europe? Not yet. Uh, we uh, we actually were me and my wife were planning on going to Germany in 2023. We had some unanticipated emergency costs come up right in the beginning of last year, around this time last year. So we didn't make it. But I I re- we both want to go to uh, Scotland, Ireland, England, and Germany for sure, just to check out the beer scenes. Oh well, let me know when you do. Oh, I will. Let me know I when will. you do. <laughs> Because that's the thing. I mean, and and again, there are so many breweries around here that you could go to. But the thing is, for me, I'm not necessarily a massive drinker, and I'm definitely not a knowledgeable drinker. I do love going into the pubs, especially the the ones in the country or the independent ones, and seeing the different ales. They've got the names of them, the you know the descriptions. Right. There's so many, and it's it's like yeah, it's almost like bewildering. Almost like where do you start if you wanted to get into it, but. You, Start with the first one that's on the tap, I guess. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> what you want. There is, oh, and I wish I remembered the name, but there is a, an English uh, craft brewery that I really like that names all of their beers after pro wrestling, like different pro wrestling really? jargon. I'll have to look it up and send it to you. But me and Matt always get a kick out of the names of their beers. And I can't, I think it's like Top Rope Brewing or something like that. It's something, the name has something wrestling oh, involved too. Yeah. But uh, they make some um, stuff. Yeah, and tell you what, before we get into to the main reason for why you're here, you've said it earlier, and the two of you, or, or you do on your show, there, you do try to do a lot for charity in the community as well, don't you? So is that something that's always been important in terms of what you're doing? Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, that comes that was instilled into me by both of my parents. Were very charitable as I was growing up, and we didn't grow up wealthy or anything. They just they donated their time a lot of the time. And it's, it's a nice thing I can do as a home brewer because if I, I can accept donations and give you beer, I can't sell you beer, but if I'm collecting donations for a charity and you happen to give me $10 and walk out of my house with a bottle of beer, well, I gifted you that beer and you gave me $10 for a charity. So it's, it's a way I can, you know, use my hobby to, and my passion to do good for other people. And, uh, that all started a few years ago, I think the very first one we did was uh, my my mother was diagnosed with breast cancer. She's fully um, in the clear now, uh, but it was a scary time. It was right at the beginning of COVID and she got diagnosed. So we did one for a local uh, breast cancer charity here in Pittsburgh. Um, and then from there, the conflict between Russia and the Ukraine happened and a collective of people were doing a charity for that. So we did that one. And then most recently, we did a mental health charity here in Pittsburgh uh, just this past year. We just wrapped it up in October. So, um, yeah, it's it's important to me. Uh, with the summer months being so busy with festivals, I don't get to do it as much as I'd like. We've also worked with a food rescue here in Pittsburgh often, off and on for different charity events they have. So, like, I work with charities and then raise money for charities as much as I can because, again, it it's positive for everybody. Like I, people were trying my beer. We're raising money for a good cause and, and everything we ever collect for those beers goes like, I don't reimburse myself for the bottles or the caps or the ingredients or my time or anything. It's, it's truly out of just the love of people trying my beer and, and to help these charities. So we don't know what the next one's going to be, but Matt really got on board with this last one and we were very successful with it. No, and that's a really good thing, and, and and that just really does cement the the fact that you two are two of the nicest people, let alone nicest people in podcasting. Which is a tough thing for people from Pittsburgh. We're pretty mean and uh, nasty people. <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot of good people here. We do have a bad rap, rap of of being uh, 
a little roughneck and a little tough, but there's a lot of nice people around here. So we'll head into a little break now, but before we do it, and at the end, I'll give you a chance to kind of shout out socials in your pod again. But yeah, so if you want to hear about more of Adam's Brewing and the shenanigans that Adam and Matt get up to, yeah, make sure you're checking out The Came With The Boys every week. On, I think you can get yourselves everywhere, right? On all the podcast platforms. Yeah, pretty platforms, much. Uh, so. Spotify has been pretty strong for us. Uh, YouTube, we're back on video uh, after a couple. Oh, yes, you're on video, day. yeah. So you can catch us on YouTube, and yeah, everywhere. Uh, we do really well on this uh, on an app called Good Pods. So check us out there. They seem to really like our presence, and we like them for that. So yeah, check us out. I forgot about your video, yeah, because I was honoured to get a starring role in your Halloween yeah, video. Thank you I was, I was well happy. <laughs> <laughs> right, so before we get stuck into your dinner party, let's hear from a friend. I'm going to play the trailer for Justin Henson over at MovieWire. And yeah, I just want to shout Justin out because he does the magnificent thumbnails for my podcast. Oh, nice. And yeah, each and every one is superb. And I, I do keep saying at the moment that, you know, whenever this podcast does stop, I, I actually want to stitch them all together and have it as a huge poster up on the wall. So a piece of art. So That'd be excellent. Look out for that. So yeah, let's hear from Justin now. In a world with so many movies to choose from, one hero will rise. The Movie Wire Podcast with host Justin Henson. Tune in wherever you listen to podcasts. Adam, we are back. So... You know the rules. I've got you here to create a dinner party for me. I'm guest number one. And you know what? I love these, right? Because like I said, if I give the um, the professional answer, it's, you know, I get to speak to different podcasters and find out how the brain works. But for me, I just love hearing about food and finding out new recipes. And I, I've been joking. I think I do want to create a Casting Views recipe book. So I would love, I think it was uh, when F My Work Life was on, the shotgun shells was one of their yes, appetizers. Yeah. Oh, did that sound good? I've never heard of those, but they sounded great. That left an impression with me. That left an oh, impression sure. with me. So, right. So the rules, you know the rules. You have got three courses. So for each one, so start a main and a dessert. I want the item of food you're going to give me. If you want to, so I know it's something that Matt bought. So if you want to pair it with a drink, if you've got that in mind. Yeah, yeah, I got absolutely. I got a beer for each one. I'm not gonna be as specific with Matt and shout out my favorite breweries, but I'll give you I'll give you a beer type for sure. Yeah. And then a celebrity or a person of note of your choice for each one. Then then when we get to the end, there might be a couple more questions I've got for you, but I'll keep those locked up for now. So what would you like first? So let's keep would up. you like the first guest first? Tell you what, let's have the food and drink and then, yeah, introduce your guest after Ooh. that. Yeah. So it took a lot of thought because I do like an appetizer. Um, but I went with uh, a classy choice, something Matt would never think of. Um, and I'm going with uh, just raw oysters uh, with uh, a little bit okay. of lemon juice squirted on top, uh, some horseradish, a little bit of hot sauce is an option if you want. Uh, and they will be sourced from the uh northeast u.s atlantic ocean because those are my favorite they're very briny and salty and not very grassy or vegetal they're very delicious and it sits light on your palate it's not going to fill you up right off the off the bat and it's something my wife got me into raw oysters and uh they're now one of my favorite foods so i would like to to bring that to dinner and share with everybody oysters are i've had them a couple of times and i'm i'm going to admit they, they're an acquired taste i think the first time you have them i don't know i'm not explaining it well but i think they're not exactly what you you'd think of them because you see them on tv and people are just chugging them away eating dozens of them but 
they are they've got quite a texture haven't they yeah. and uh, yeah you and it, it's yeah. a very um it's a fun appetizer because it's a very social appetizer like at least at least mm. on the east mm. coast here in the u.s like you get an order of them for the table and like everybody grabs one and you kind of, it's kind of like taking a shot of, of a cocktail or a, a liquor. Everybody kind of cheers the shell and you do, you kind of chug them down and it's just delicious. And, and you can top it with whatever you want, uh, kind of make it your own. And, and uh, it's wonderful. I was, I was horrified the first time I tried them. I thought I wasn't going to like them. The text, the <laughs> texture was something you have to like yeah. get used yeah. to. Um, but yeah, now it's just one of my go-tos. And that's exactly it, because there are so many varieties of them. We was in London towards the end of last year, went to a seafood bar there. And yeah, just the different varieties you've got as well. And and yeah, the toppings are, again, how you can differentiate them sort of from what your, your friend's right, having, right. isn't it? So, and yeah, and they come in a perfect container, their own container as well, <laughs> right? Sure so. <laughs> Okay, so did you say you got into that only fairly recently, oysters? Um, it, I actually got into it. Uh, we, me and my wife, took a trip to the Atlantic coast uh, when we got engaged. So about five years ago, at this time, definitely five years ago, almost six years ago. But yeah, she she really liked them. She lived on the the west coast of the U.S. in uh, Washington State for a while, and and really got into seafood there. So she's a big seafood fan. I didn't like much of any of it uh, before we met. But she's opened up my eyes to uh, seafood. I do love seafood. I do, I do love seafood. Yeah, it's um, yeah, it's not my it's not my dinner party, <laughs> right? So, so okay. So we've got the raw oysters, and I think you said with lemon or a bit of hot sauce. I like the idea yeah, of hot, hot sauce. Hot sauce is great on an oyster. A good a good classy hot sauce. So what are we drinking with that? There's there's nothing better than a light crisp pilsner uh, with seafood, uh, and I would specifically go with a Czech Pilsner, a Czechoslovakian Pilsner, because uh, they are just, for me, they're like the lightest, crispest uh, Pilsner you can get. So it, it just goes well. It, it washes a little bit of that brine off and, and it'll cool down your tongue from the spiciness of the hot sauce. And it just sets you up for more food. It just, it, it dries your palate out and you want a little bit more to drink, a little bit more to eat right away. Is it heavy in terms of volume? I can't remember. Oh, no, those are very light. It would be, uh, Czech Pills is usually between 4 and 5% alcohol. So it's a, it's a pretty light beer. You know what? I only got introduced to, to one um, a few years ago. It's called Staro Praman. And I'm not sure if it's like, a, it, it might be like a, a mainline one. But yeah, it's so nice. It's like you said, it's fresh, Hell isn't yeah. it? And it's... Uh, Absolutely. Uh, I think the big global one that we get here is uh, Pilsner or Kell is a big one that you get in the States. And I, I think that's Czechoslovakian. Okay. So who is joining us for this? Food yeah. Our, the first celebrity guest we're having also comes from the Northeast of America. Uh, and he's my favorite author and has through his writing has touched into movies and television and even comic books. Uh, and that's Mr. Stephen King. He's a favorite horror author and like suspense author of mine. Uh, one of the first, like adult books I read as like a an early teenager. My mom was really into his his books. Um and then I got into him and Pet Cemetery is one of my favorite books and movies. Um and I just he's he's had a, a very long career at this point. Um so I think he'd make a good dinner guest just because he'd have so many stories. O along from being a good storyteller yeah. already, he just would have so much life experience 
uh, which you will see as a trend in my guests as we go along. Um, but, uh, you know, he, he had his battles with, he, he might not drink much of the, the Pilsner cause I think he's a recovering addict, but, uh, but again, those are the stories. Like he's had the highs, he's had the lows and much like my good buddy, Matt, that we keep bringing up, he's a very charitable person as well. So, uh, just, I think it would just be a really fun, uh, dinner guest just to, just to listen to him talk about his experiences. I always think authors, I don't know, there's something about them that I'd really want to, to talk to them about because it, like you said, it is, especially someone like him who's been so prolific in, in terms of the amount of books and stories. And it's not like, it's not even just like the mainline stories. He's also done the short story. So wasn't it his, that, um, his short story that was for, um, uh, Shawshank Redemption. Yeah. And I think the the movie stand by me was also one of his short stories, I think called Body. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. like, yeah, there's been a lot of just his short stories have turned into full length feature films. And he, he even wrote and directed a movie himself called uh, Max, Maximum Overdrive, which is a mess of a movie. Seen he, was, he was in the, the yeah. peak of his cocaine addiction at the time. And he had, just from interviews I've read, um, he just has so many funny stories about how bad of a filmmaker he was because of his habit. Uh, and it's just fascinating. Like yeah. Everything he says is clever to me and and funny and humorous he just seems like a a person i want to have a beer with so is it the horror element of his books that get you or is it just his style of course especially if you listen to the podcast i'm very into the horror genre when it comes to books and especially film and i think he he was one of the you know very first writers that kind of i discovered horror through him like it was him before him it was rl stein with the goosebumps books for children and then I went right, right yeah, from yeah, that yeah. to Stephen King. So it's funny, isn't it? Because you kind of latch onto an author. So for me, I remember when I was at school, it was Jurassic Park. So it was Michael Crichton, and then I, I read almost everything of his. And in the, I don't know, is he horror? But uh, Dean Koontz, I kind of got addicted to reading all all his books. He's like he. Some of his go into like a horror. Like he definitely writes thriller novels. Like his, I've read a couple of yeah. his uh, novels, and they're they're good too. So with Stephen King, then what about the adaptations of TV and movies? So did you say you're into those or? Uh, some some hit and some don't. Uh, like I said, Pet Cemetery for me, I think is a great, uh, great film. The I mean, of course, it doesn't compete with the book. The book yeah, has yeah. is pretty pretty involved and pretty thick but i think it does a good job uh the original pet cemetery the yes. the most recent two i've seen are awful but um so i think some work i i did i did like it when tim curry did it for the miniseries i don't really like the most recent adaptations of it either i think the shining is a beautiful book and movie and and when he went back and did dr sleep and when that went to film i thought that was great as well yeah yeah so i think a, lo- a lot more hits than misses i think and so before we move on i just want to go back so to the maximum overdrive because yeah i, I hadn't realized that was him i saw it because when satellite tv came over to the uk we you know we got it fairly early we, it must have been on there and i've seen it but when i tell my friends about it now or colleagues they look at me like I like I've been smoking something because it's not necessarily a popular film. But when you say it, yeah, this this thing buzzes overhead and the machines come to life. But I remember yeah. love it, and I really want to see it again. It's Emilio Estevez, right? Yeah, yeah, correct. Before before he became a youth hockey coach, <laughs> he was in Maximum Overdrive. 
the scene I really remember is there's like at the little baseball game with the, is it like the soda machine that starts popping those cans out? So almost everybody I talk to that knows the film, yeah. that's the scene they <laughs> reference. It is the best scene, especially as a kid scene. It's yeah. like, whoa, yeah. that's so cool. And like, there, isn't there a scene where there's a kid riding down the street on his bike and there are people like hanging out of windows because their hairdryers have like attacked them or, or that? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you heard me right. Go check out Maximum Overdrive. Oh, you put me right on a on a memory tip there. So, okay, right. Yep, really, really solid start there. Really solid start. So let's head over to the main course. Sure. So it's definitely a curveball from our seafood appetizer um and we're going we're going international with my my next one and it's a weird pick but it's my one of my favorite dishes um that i always get at restaurants because i don't know how to cook it and that would be um penang curry chicken which is a thai food i usually get the penang uh curry chicken on pad thai like that's yeah, the curry yeah. i get in a pad thai so i'm gonna go with a penang curry pad thai which is great for a hangover after you've had a couple too many beers too. Um, and, uh, and I like it spicy. So we're going to get it, we're going to get it pretty hot. Yeah. Now you're right in my, uh, my territory now with this. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so is that something, have you always kind of been into Asian food? Yeah. For, for the majority, uh, ever, I was into everything except for sushi for the longest time. And again, when my wife got me into seafood, sushi is, is now in my repertoire as well. But uh, yeah, I mean, an, a, almost anything international, I'll at least try. Like I do, I love Japanese, Thai food. I love Indian food. Uh, you know, a lot of Middle Eastern food I like. Uh, and one of my favorites, not very classy for a dinner party, but I love Mexican food. Like tacos, burritos are great as well. Um, but yeah, I kind of like, I'm not much of a cheeseburger and fries guy, like a, a typical American meal, I guess you would think of. Uh, I, I like to go a little more international, especially if I'm going out to eat. I don't want to. Yeah. Yes. I don't want to eat something at a restaurant that I can just make at home. Yeah. And, and the thing with what I, you, I like, I like to experiment. Yeah. And the thing with what you said, like the Asian food, like the Mexican, um, I love foods that have got a lot of herbs, spices, have been marinating for for hours, you know, or even days. It's it's that kind of food, like you said. Yeah. I mean, I will gladly pick up a burger, you know, or have a steak, you know, <laughs> have some fries and not complaining about that but yeah if you could give me those foods with all those flavors and that yeah and that taken sort of a day always like from a recipe that's generationally passed down yeah now you're talking oh yeah heat wise then do you like your hot food or i love spicy food yes. which is i think that's a big reason why like especially like thai and some of the spicier korean food and like indian food like and mexican food can all be really spicy yeah and I, I think that's what I like. My 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 biggest guilty pleasure as far as like American pub food is chicken wings. And they gotta be the hot the hottest wing on the menu. I'll get it. Um I, I just love spice. I love heat. Nice. So, same here, but as I've got older, I've had to uh, lay off it a little bit. I've gone through uh times in my life where my yeah, they say, Oh, I'll go to the doctor and they're like, You gotta lay off the spice for a little bit. Your stomach's <laughs> ripped up. <laughs> Okay, what's the what's the drink? So for that, there's oh, it's my favorite beer style to go with that spice to quell the spice, and that would be an American uh, IPA. Uh, so just your your classic clear, little bit of citrus, very piney, very bitter, but but still clear and crisp, uh, and it'll finish it off. 
and that'll be about six and a half percent ABV if I had it my way. Uh, and it just it pairs really nicely with pad thai. Look, people, if you could see Adam's face, it's when you say that, and, and the look of your face when you're saying really crisp and clear. <laughs> yeah, you, I mean, that's one of my favorite beer styles to make. So I'll just, I'll, I'll just, I'll throw it out there. I'll make the beer for the dinner right. instead of bringing it from other places. I'll just make each, each one. You know, and and the thing is, I say this each episode I do with these, but for reference, it's it's quarter to, to ten at night here when I'm recording. I've already eaten, but I'm getting so hungry. <laughs> and and craving that a beer now thankfully it's quarter quarter to five here so i'm eating dinner right after this (laughs) (laughs) yeah Yeah, i might have to have my second dinner um who (laughs) is and who is joining us in this course yeah uh it's it's actually a, a a man from your country one of my favorite musicians of all time the prince of darkness ozzy osbourne oh wow what a choice (laughs) what a choice uh Black Black Sabbath is uh, in I I'm very much into any kind of music that is dark and heavy and and heavy metal music, uh, and and he is the Prince of Darkness. He 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 created the genre. He helped create the genre, and has been involved in so many uh, different decades of that music progressing and and has stayed relevant. And man, his again the stories he has to yeah. have from touring with all of those bands over all of those years uh, i just would love to listen i don't even need to talk to these people i just want to listen to what they have to say i think he is an incredible pick actually and i'm gonna hold my hands up ozzy and black sabbath were not a band i wasn't ever really not not that i wasn't a fan of but i wasn't necessarily a fan of that style of music kind of growing Mm -hmm. up but in recent years and i've actually you, you well you can't see that but on the shelf behind me i've actually now got a couple of their albums that have been redone in a deluxe box set the final and yeah i just love listening to it and i i really regret not having listened to them more as I, as i was growing up and seeing him in his heyday i mean he looked like he enjoyed that life as well oh for sure for sure he he lived in excess for the majority of his life i think in in every aspect of his life um, and just amazing. And I, I never got to see uh, just because of when I was born and never really caught him live in his heyday, but but have seen him perform with Black Sabbath before they uh, hung it up. Uh, so I've seen him as a solo act and I have seen all of the members of Black Sabbath together. Um, and it's one of one of my favorite live performances as well. Yeah, definitely from an era where yeah british music really did feel like it was at the forefront in a lot of areas oh yeah it's probably not referred to that in in england but it was the british invasion here in the u.s back when when you know the starting with the beatles and the who and and all of that and and sabbath and like the the rolling stones like gosh there's just yeah, unbelievably yeah. great music like rock music uh came came across the pond there was i mean we didn't have homegrown rock like that yeah. and not not back in that time yeah and it, yeah and like i said it was just i guess sort of at, at the time of his time not our time because you're a young lad yourself but um it was kind of shocking as well i guess that, and, and like i said you know and we all know the story is the so-called bat incident um on, on the same <laughs> and like i said it was just people or bands living their music it was almost like they are they were living that lifestyle and it's now 
everyone is managed down to a T, aren't they? All, all the, the artists and groups that is finally presented and finally managed what you, you see. And it felt like, especially with him, it's like, I, I, I don't give an F, you know, it's like, this is, this right. is who we are. Yeah. Yeah. I think, uh, yeah, I, I definitely think not every, but the people you're seeing on national tours and global tours are definitely just, it's sanitized now and everybody yeah. is managed to the very microsecond. And even I think a lot of these, there's, there's a running joke me and Matt talk about. We're like, Oh yeah, these, these metal, these heavy music guys, these tough guys are so, you know, boisterous and outrageous on stage. And then they go back and have their vegan prepared meal backstage. After yeah, the yeah, show. yeah. It's, it's all, it's all just so finely worked and, and even like, uh, a very rebelling uh kind of off the cuff style music like punk rock now even is very programmed to a t uh, you can find some smaller bands and some local bands that still have that aesthetic and still live the life but it, it's yeah. it's way more rare now than it was yeah and with him whether you like this decision or not when he did the keeping up with the osborne or whatever it was called i think it was on mtv it was a great way for him to appeal to that new generation as well, wasn't it? So I think that's yeah. that's kept him his name in in you know in in people's minds, hasn't it? Yeah, I mean, as a fan of his music, wasn't a big fan of. I mean, I still watched the show. wasn't yeah. psyched about his decision to do it, but as far as from a business perspective, yeah, super yeah. smart for him. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he did that, and then he he started to right around that same time. He, well, a little bit before that, he started doing those Oz Fest festivals here in the U.S. I think eventually they went global um, where it was just a heavy metal festival for like, that's what me and my friends listened to. And you could mm. go see, go spend 12 hours a day out in a field, drinking beer and listening to heavy metal and all of the bands you listen to all year come through your town. Uh, and then it was usually headlined by Ozzy or by black Sabbath. So it was like the, the kind of like the grandfather of metal was coming along with all these young kids and just so many genres were involved and it was music that wasn't you weren't hearing on the radio at the time it was these bands that they were so small and so uh so new that they couldn't tour on their own but if you get them in a big group and you back ozzy backs it with his money you you got it and it was that was big so like not only did he start the genre of music i like and not only did he carry the kind of younger guys through the 80s that were starting to do it when it was like hair metal and glam metal but then the 90s and 2000s he was still helping the new artists like he yeah. always was giving back at least from an outside perspective it always looked like he was giving back that is a superb pick i have to say yeah the only problem with that is you'd need him around for at least a week the amount of stories that man's gonna have right it's a lifetime isn't it so right. I mean, between him and Stephen King, like, yeah, we're going to have, <laughs> yeah, yeah. We might have to do a couple of dinners. Yeah. That's, that's amazing. I'll, we'll have to kick the start time a bit, a couple of hours earlier, but yeah, I mean that man, when he, yeah, yeah. What he's seen and what he's experienced. Yeah. It doesn't even bear thinking about, does it? No, no. Okay. Right. So for your final course for dessert, what are we having? Sadly, I'm not much of a dessert guy, so I'm going a little basic, and I would like to have a red raspberry cheesecake uh, for dessert, which extremely heavy after all of our noodles and pad thai, but um, I'm not much of a cake guy. I'm not really into pie, but uh, I do like cheesecake. 
again, it's something I've become accustomed to over the years. I think what it was, was sort of growing up sort of in the mid eighties, you know, nineties, when you get the, the bought cheesecake, it was never that nice. And I think I got an experience with that. But then when you start having some proper homemade cheesecake or some proper, I'd say cheesecake, it's, it's like night and day between the processed stuff you get in the, the supermarket. Absolutely. And I'm with you. I'm not really a dessert person either. Give me two starters. <laughs> yeah, I'm the same way. I'd rather have two starters and then the main course and just skip dessert. I'll just, no, I'll just have a nice beer for dessert or a cocktail. Yeah. yeah, no, I'm happy with that, though. I'm happy with that. Is that on its own or do you have a sauce with it or anything? Or is it just a hunk of cheesecake? Uh, it's going to be uh, a red raspberry syrup sauce on there. Right, yeah. I, I do like raspberry. I, I like strawberry or raspberry. I think for this meal and especially for the beer we're pairing it with, I think raspberry would go well okay and what's the beer then beer is going to be a very heavy uh like a we're, we're gonna go double digits we're going like a 10 percent wow. uh imper- we call it an imperial stout uh but this it's not just an imperial stout this imperial stout's also going to be aged in a in a uh, kentucky bourbon barrel for a year so you're oh, going to get some of those okay. bourbon and oak notes yeah. from it along with like a coffee dark chocolate roastiness and it's going to be nice and thick not as thick as the raspberry syrup but close but it would it'll play really nice with the raspberry fruit notes and the cheesecake and just it'll if if you weren't full after the pad thai and the ipa you will definitely be full after a piece of cheesecake and a bourbon barrel stout you know you you've got that description of that has got me salivating so not even the cheesecake but just your description of that that stout yeah, that's that's um that's gonna really see the night out, like you said, isn't it? A chunk of cheesecake oh, sure. and a double digit stout. Okay, so who is the third person on the guest list then? Sure. So I, I did ask just for one clarification before I came on, which is if I could have somebody who has passed away. Because honestly, every time I've been asked this question, not on a podcast, um, it's been this gentleman and it's Anthony Bourdain, uh, okay. who has passed away. But uh, before he passed away and, you know, of course, after that's always somebody when somebody said, who would you like to have a meal and a drink with? It's always been him. Um, and again, he, he was in the industry, so he might nitpick yeah. my food a little bit, but uh, <laughs> but just an interesting man. And again, just a, a, an unbelievable storyteller and, and his his writing again, another author like he was a cook and then became an author and then became like a travel host and just his opinions. He's, he's a great person to cast views with. Uh, he, he just, his opinions always kind of struck with me, whether I agree with him or not, I get where he's coming from and I find him interesting. So, and he just loves his like late night bar food and drinks and like just somebody I think I could really get along with. Yeah. Cause I think I was speaking about him to someone else once. And I was saying, yeah, it's not somebody that really, I, again, I knew, too much about but you know if i look at who you've picked you've picked it feels like sort of real experts or real if you were to pick representatives from like the the literature world the musical world and the food kind of food world these these would be right up there right yeah it's kind of like who i feel like the stalwarts of those industries would be yeah, uh because yeah. and again it, I, I i want it to be interesting for everybody at the dinner like of course, as soon as you invited me on, I was like, oh, well, what bre- what beer brewer would I have on that's like a celebrity in my world? 
And I was like, you know what? I don't want to do that because then me and that person are just going to be talking about nerdy beer stuff and everybody else is going to be left out of the conversation. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I, I want to bring people in that just have incredible life experiences in in different genres of our life like in different medias if you will like uh and it, his show like and anthony bourdain was it was a really funny thing because me and my wife would throw on uh either no reservations or parts unknown and like really enjoy the shows and and i i liked him as a person and i didn't realize how much i enjoyed all of that until he was gone and then i was like oh man it's like Oh, there's no more takes and I don't think anybody else quite does it as well as he did it. And it was just, and I think with all of these people, especially him and, and Ozzy for me, I haven't traveled a lot in my life. I haven't, I haven't had the money or the time or whatever at points in my life to, to actually travel the world. But I do like to know about other parts of the world. So to like kind of at least get it secondhand from, from these gentlemen that have traveled so broadly uh, across their careers and just hear their feedback it maybe would at least narrow it down for me to know where i want to go again it's it, all i can say is it's a really really interesting selection there i mean would you be happy would you ask him for comments on your on the menu you've served him i don't think i'd care so much about the food i gave him because i'm just gonna have places cater that for us uh but i would <laughs> like his feedback on my beer well yeah <laughs> he was I guess not notoriously, but he did like beer, but he just liked good beer. It didn't have to be expensive. It didn't have to be fancy. His opinions of beer were if it's cold and it, it tastes good, it's a good beer. Like just to get his palate on, on something I made would be pretty cool. Okay. So we're going to refresh this. So starts, you had raw, raw oysters with hot sauce, Czech Pilsner and Stephen King. For Maine, we had Penang Pad Thai with an American IPA and Ozzy Osbourne. For dessert, which you just said, we've got the red raspberry cheesecake with uh, a double digits Imperial Stout and Anthony Bourdain. So, firstly, that's a winning menu for me. I'll say right. that. Secondly, I think that's an absolutely stellar guest list as well. So, I think we've kind of, or you've already said it, so I think I know the answer here, but do you think they'd all get on if you sat them around a table? Yeah, I, I think so. I mean, uh... It's definitely like, especially as you read them back, it sounds like I just kind of picked random things out of a hat at this point, but it's also kind of like a, it is an older guest list, especially for me and you being younger. Uh, I, I did go older, I guess, just cause I wanted their experiences. So, uh, I do think they'd all get along. I think Ozzy and Ozzy and Stephen King would have stuff to talk about. Anthony Bourdain was really into like punk rock and I'm sure he liked Sabbath. So that, that sh it should all work. And him and Steven are both writers. So. No, but this is it. The whole thing with these episodes is, yeah, it's not necessarily got to be a dinner party that or the the menus absolutely thought out to the tea. I, I kind of just want to know what what makes you tick. Yeah, it's really just my favorite three meals. Not not really putting it together as a full meal, but just hey, if I'm ordering an appetizer, I'm looking for that, or if I'm looking for an entree, that's what I'd like. So it's just it'll be more of an experience. I have got a few things I want to throw at you. I'm not sure if I did tell you these or not, but when uh, when Matt came on, I gave him some stipulations, but I thought I'll, I'd, I'd be a bit freer with you, but I'm going to throw some of those stipulations at you now. Sure. So if you could, if you could have invited, so let's go back to kind of like the theme of your podcast. If you could have a star or person from the combat sport world, who would that be? Sure. Um, mine would be... 
uh, a gentleman named Daniel Cormier, who was a uh, an American amateur wrestler and was very accomplished in that. And then he went into MMA, uh, became a, a the light heavyweight and heavyweight champion of the UFC, and has since retired and now does commentary for UFC. Um, but it's definitely him just, again, he'd be the best dinner guest because even though that's a rough and violent sport, he just seems like the nicest guy and like he does commentary. So he's very well-spoken. Uh, he seems very happy and just, uh, I'd I'd like to pick his brain as well. I just, I think he would have some cool stories. The random one, if you could invite a villain from a horror film, (laughs) (laughs) The one, the one that won't get along with anybody else. Uh, for me, it would be because I almost put the man that played the villain in just because I like him as an actor. So it would be uh, Chop Top from Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2, specifically that movie. Because uh, he was, uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2 was uh, far more humorous, kind of like a dark comedy compared to the original. Um, but the character of Chop Top, which is the the gentleman with the metal plate in his head, um, I always just found hilarious. And uh, it's played by an actor, Bill Mosley, who's done several different characters in horror. But that's that's the first role I've seen him in. And that's always been my favorite. So you've invited everyone over. We've had a meal. We're going to go out after. But. Before we do, you're going to sit us down. We're going to watch a film. Now, it can be a horror film if you want, but if there was a film that you would put on to say, look, this is, this is me. This is my favorite film. You want to get to know me. This is a film I'm putting on. What would that be? What would we be watching? Oh, that's a tough one. Uh, I think I, I actually think I would go outside of horror. I guess my favorite movie, which is kind of basic, uh, but it's uh, Goodfellas. By... Okay, good film. Yeah, I think I think it's I I'd love Scorsese. It would it would definitely be a Scorsese or a Tarantino film and I think I'd have to go with Goodfellas. I think that's just it's got enough humor and enough drama and enough action that it's just a it's a well-rounded movie in my opinion. In a stellar cast as well, isn't it? So, oh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Okay, right. So we we've, we've eaten, watched a film. I've really enjoyed it anyway. We are going to go to a pub or a drinking establishment from TV or film. Where, where are we going? I was hoping I would get this question because my podcast partner really screwed up this answer. <laughs> it is hands down. We're going to the Winchester from Shaun of the Dead. Well, I always <laughs> wanted to drink in an English pub that looks just like that. Uh, and can we have the whole cast of the movie there too? We, we absolutely can, yeah. Awesome. Yeah, it's the Winchester, hands down. Actually, right, now you've got this, because I, I did write another note. There is one more question, but because you've you've said those words, English pub. So you, you went to one recently, didn't you? Because I was surprised there wasn't a scotch egg on your menu for a start. Yeah, yeah so, oh, that, the, you know what, that's true. It, it very well could have been on my menu. Um, yeah, there's there's actually two, There's a there's a craft brewery that make their own beer here in Pittsburgh. And then there's a there's a pub that's very authentic. It's like kind of the whole United Kingdom. There's, it's a little bit Irish, but it's mostly English pub vibes, uh, and and a and a good menu of English food. Um, and yeah, it's called Piper's Pub here in Pittsburgh. And I, I actually went there for my birthday for brunch, and had a scotch. Yeah, I, and I, I immediately, I was actually uh, having brunch with my wife and Matt, 
and was like, oh, I got to take a picture of this to send to Dan. (laughs) (laughs) I love that picture. I do love a proper scotch egg as well. So it was a a few weeks before you sent that picture, actually. I'd been to a a pub in London and we went specifically because I saw, yeah, that they had a like a scotch egg that that was uh i think it had bits of black pudding in it as well and i thought yeah i've got to i've got to try that so yeah so any more visits to uh to have food like that yeah send send the pictures my way absolutely oh, always welcome absolutely <laughs> yeah right. uh, uh sadly yeah they closed uh that pub was owned by a former owner and it closed like from 2019 until they just reopened last year and the menu is pretty consistent with what it was. So I'm ha- I'm happy they're yeah. back. Um, yeah, but yeah. yeah, I think me and Matt, there were probably about eight people, maybe 10 people at the table with us. And me and him were the only ones that knew what scotch eggs were. And I was like, <laughs> it's the whole reason we're here for brunch, folks. Like, I wanted one of these. If you're ever coming over this way, let me know. Because, yeah, we're going to go for some proper pub grub as well. Yeah. Oh, I'm absolutely. A- I would, I would love, I've, I've heard many good stories, uh, about the English, the traditional English pubs, and especially the ones you're talking about, like the ones out in the country, like that's that's real. Yeah, right. I've got one more question for you. For a treat, you're going to take us all out to a combat sport, so boxing, wrestling, MMA, an event. Now it could be past or or present. It, so happy if it's one that you'd always wish you'd have could have gone to. But what event are we gonna are we gonna get the tickets for? The casting views magic is gonna get us these tickets. Yeah, um, I don't know if I have a favorite one, so we will just go to the next one because this event happens once a year, every year, and it's my favorite pay per view hands down. And it's actually coming up here in a few weeks. Um, it's the Royal Rumble from WWF ah, okay. WWE. I've always Brilliant. wanted to go to a Royal Rumble. Uh, it's it's my favorite even. When the Royal Rumble match is bad, it's still just so much fun to watch because you get yeah. uh, now you get 30 men and 30 women. They do a men and a women's one. So you get 60 different wrestlers coming out uh, to different entrances on your screen. And, and uh, it's just exciting. I mean, the matches probably for the most part aren't ever very good, but it's just everybody cheering, everybody counting down uh, the, you know, from 10 and, and, and cheering when their their favorite wrestler comes out. It's a blast, and uh, we we always view it down here in the Jojitorium, uh, and it, it's the one the one combat sports event a year where all of the all of the wives and the girlfriends come because they like to yeah. see what everybody's wearing and like make fun of it. So everybody has something they can watch during that event, um, and we just always have a big party here, and it's just it's a lot of fun, and that it's hands it's down that I would want to go to. That'd be really cool, actually, because, yeah, why wouldn't you? Because you're going to get your money's worth because you're seeing at least 30 wrestlers just in that event, right? Right, just in um, that match. Yeah, and like you said, it is, that, it is that excitement. It's a clever concept because, yeah, you get that 10-second countdown time ago and then you're just waiting for that music to hit, aren't you, to see right. who, who it is next. So, And it is a bizarre concept when you look at it, isn't it? It's like, yeah, just get 30 of the wrestlers in, try chuck them over the top rope. Exactly. With the wrestling, I used to I used to love it as a kid. Then in recent years, I haven't had it available to me on the channels I I subscribe to because then when I did get the satellite channels that had it, it went to one of their rivals. So I, I've kept oh, <laughs> I've kept no. missing. But we get here. I think I said to Matt, we get the AEW on on our TV. Um, what what do you think about AEW? Do you like that? 
I, I think it's an interesting alternative. Um, when they started, I liked it a lot more than I do currently. I think they're, it's, it's kind of the, the writing is a little, a little weird and a little boring at the moment. Uh, but I think they'll be all right. I, 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 I like it still. I, I watch it ca- like more than casually because we cover it on the podcast, but uh, I don't catch every single one of their shows, but usually the, the dynamite on Wednesdays, I try to watch every week at least. Easter, like I know it wasn't the greatest, but it was available to me at the time. Um, was the TNA wrestling? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, I had a soft spot for that. That was that was quite fun, and I did get to see one. I think I said to to Matt, I, I was in Florida many years back, and um, they filmed in Universal there. Universal, yeah. So I got yeah. to see yeah a pay per view for free. So um, yeah, it always held a soft spot for me. Uh, the <laughs> TNA. Yeah, I listen. I mean, a lot of my, especially pro wrestling wise a lot of the podcasts and like youtube channels i watch are are guys and girls from from england and from ireland that cover pro wrestling and that i just really enjoy uh their takes on it for some reason that's i was talking we me and matt were talking about it a few weeks ago and it's like yeah almost everybody i get my wrestling news from is british (laughs) it's i I think it's just because we kind of don't well we have got it's the wrestling scene over here is very much independent, isn't it? I think it's very much, yeah, yeah. We don't have that big brand kind of show, so yeah, it's it's WWE, really, isn't it? It's WWE, it's um, AEW now. Those are the two that we get in terms of imported. I've been to a couple of local amateur or, or independent ones, and I love it. I just I, I love wrestling. You know, the, the the criticism it gets, but the athleticism of the majority of those athletes, I just think it's, it's brilliant. It's just when you see them in full flow, I think it's fantastic. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, there's talent. I mean, of course, yeah, it's predetermined and it's it's choreographed, I guess, to use a word. Uh, but it's still an athletic feat and it's still, it's just mindless fun. It's something you can turn your brain off to. You don't have to think about it. That's it. Well, I'm not watching it. Like, I'm not approaching a, a, an episode of WWE or wrestling like I'm a soccer match or a football match. I'm approaching that in the fact that I want to see some really well choreographed. I want to see some crazy things happen. I want to see Shane McMahon sort of jump 50 feet off a cage. <laughs> that's that's what I'm watching it for. I don't get that in my football. <laughs> yeah, that was a that was a running joke for a few years there. How far does Shane McMahon have to fall for his dad to love him? <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant. Well, look, it's been brilliant talking to you. Let's say we're here and now that I think your menu and your guests beat Matt. Should we say that? I'm I'm fine with that. I I, th- <laughs> I think I clobbered him, so I'm fine with that. Thank you for coming on. It's been brilliant to get you on. Like I said, to chat to you. Definitely gonna get you on again. Is there anything before you go? So do you just want to plug your podcast again and and anything else like your, your brewery, etc. Yeah, sure. Um, the, the podcast again is Decay with the Boys, and you can find it on anywhere. I think we're posted everywhere you can find a podcast at this point. Uh, and again, video versions of the podcast are on YouTube, uh, and you can find us. I think our our biggest platform and the one we're trying to push is our, our Instagram. So at Decay and WTB on Instagram, but we're also on Twitter and Facebook. Um, so, so check us out there. Or I guess it's X as Matt likes to say now. Um, <laughs> but yeah, check us out on any of those. And if you're ever in the Western PA Pittsburgh area, any of the casting views listeners, uh, I homebrew here at bash brew and that's bash underscore brew on Instagram. 
Um, you can always send me a, a direct message. Say you heard me on Casting Views and you want to come have a pint, <laughs> I will pour one up for you. I was going to say, because uh, to Nikolai from you, if you if you have heard of um, Matt or Adam from here, tell them the boys sent you. <laughs> <laughs> Anything else you want to say before we go? Not at all. I I, uh, I had a blast doing this. I was, I've been looking forward to doing it since Matt was on. I was like, please tell Dan I want to do that because I still remember when I listened to his episode of, of the dinner guests, I was, I was just exercising. I was doing a walk and like every time he was about to say something, I was like, you better say this. And none of them, <laughs> nothing he picked is what I would have picked. And I was like, oh, I can do such a better job. <laughs> so I've been looking forward to well, and I've been looking forward to having you on. I have got something bubbling up for another sort of series of episodes, kind of like this, but something else. I'm just working it out how and when I'd fit it in, but I will get you as to be one of the first few guests on that one as well. Oh, I'd love that. So, I would absolutely so, something similar. I, I'm really starting to enjoy more talking to pods like you know and, and podcasts like yourself and just and just have a chat and, and and like I said, let you do the hard work really while I can sit back and just ask questions. Yeah, well, I mean, we'll definitely have to have you uh you on one of the Decay with the Boys episodes too for sure. We don't do a ton of episodes with other podcasts, but I've I've been pitching your name out there forever. You're, I mean. I know. You know, if you listen to the Decay with the Boys podcast, you can always catch in the first half before we go to our break to to support other podcasts. I always whisper casting these in there. I did. <laughs> I did say to Matt. <laughs> I did say. I did say to Matt actually a few weeks ago. I do love it. It makes me. And I did mean to say. Yeah, you've reminded me. I, I feel bad. I forgot to say. I do love you. Yeah, I do hear like my name or casting views sort of slipped in really low level, low key sometimes. I think it's brilliant. Catches me off guard every time. So yeah, please do check out Adam and Matt at Decaying with the Boys. I'm going to put all the links into the show notes so you'll be able to find them from there. And you do remind me about, yeah, now you are on YouTube. So, so the videos there, so definitely check them out, Larger Than Life. For me, you can get me on all the podcast platforms. Just look for Casting Views, all the social media platforms, again, Casting Views. If you want to be on the show, if you want to be on here, or you just want to um, say hi, yeah, drop me a note on there and I will see you next week. If I want your opinion, I will give it to you. Come on, take what we've got, cause you need.